Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of Turn to Page. Give yourself goosebumps, a special edition. Number two this time, Return to Terror Tower, a place that we have not been, as far as I'm aware, which is, mm-hmm. kind, of, which is kind of interesting. Uh, are you specially ready? Especially ready today, Rats? I, I, how do I do uh- I am especially ready for the nightmare to continue. I do hope that knowledge of the original Terror Tower, because we've, you know, we've explored Goosebumps before. Yeah. It likes to reference its own material. I just, uh, I, I do foresee the possibility of encountering a page that's like, do you remember what weapon the executioner used in the original Terror Tower? Yeah. And, ah, oh, man, I really hope that doesn't occur. It I might. don't know. And I... It's probably an axe, right? I would. I mean, looking at the front cover, which we do have. Oh, he's got a he's got a lump on his neck. Is that just a big old muscle? Maybe. I think so. I mean, looking at his arm, he's got really muscular arms, and the mm-hmm. executioner's mask, executioner's axe. It's and a it's big lump. as though it's as though the hunchback of Notre Dame got jacked and swollen, mm-hmm. yoked as hell. Yes. Um, to the degree that like his arms make you think. Wait, is that just? Does he not have a hunchback? Does he just have sick traps? Like, is that what's going on there? Exactly. It's like, I'm not sure if that's a hunchback or he's ripped. Is 100% what I thought. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's my strategy. If I ever end up with with becoming the hunchback of Notre Dame and ringing a bell, I'm going to make sure that I spend most of my time working out such that people associate the hump with my traps instead. There you go. This is that's is also it... my plan for what I do if I become a camel. <laughs> I mean, that's two whole options. How many things do you need to prepare for in life, really? Like two is pretty good. I think you're set. Yeah, and those are the only two I prepare for as well. So I'm so glad we hit both of them. <laughs> my solution to every problem is get absolutely ripped. <laughs> <laughs> and. I don't know. I'm getting there. Unfortunately, the problem of I can't get ripped can't be solved by getting ripped. Unless actually you can, but boy, I'm having troubles with it. (laughs) It's just difficult to enact in the instance. Exactly. Uh, Interesting thing to note about this special edition, though, we we noticed right at the before we started here. The last Mm -hmm. one had one correct ending. This just on the front, like, if it didn't say special edition in the upper right, this just kind of seems like a normal give yourself goosebumps. It says, yeah, exactly. choose from over 20 different scary endings. So we actually have more than one right answer. More than one right way. You know? Hey, callbacks. <gasps> we got those. Uh, but I'm excited for it. And I will say another huge thing, huge shout out, big thank you to Something Scary for sending in the scan for this book. I uh, truly, truly wonderful. Thank you for all the, the help you've given to the podcast so we can actually do these episodes on these books. Big shout outs there. Deeply appreciated. But alas, do you want to beware us? Let's beware. Do not read this book from beginning to end. Are you ready for another night in Terra Tower? Uh, uh, we're not from your time. Your friends Sue and Eddie tell you. We're really a prince and a princess from 800 years in the past? Yeah, right, you think. But before you know it, Sue and Eddie have dragged you back in time. And then they get captured by their enemy, the Executioner. 
Now it's up to you to rescue your friends and find a way back to your own time. But can you handle a dragon? Cast a spell? Match wits with Robin Hood? And can you beat the evil executioner? This story picks up where Goosebumps 27, <laughs> A Night in Terror Tower, left off. But this scary adventure is all about you. You decide what happens next. All right. Doesn't instill me with a lot of confidence that it says it picks up where it left off. But I feel like they wouldn't they wouldn't make a whole book. I mean, cause here's the thing. We have read... We do know what a direct sequel Goosebumps book looks like. Mm. We have we have read one and let me tell you the relevance of um the what oh my gosh I can't remember uh, the carnival of horror yeah there, there we go like and then returning to it in the sequel you did not need to read the first book at all and <laughs> not even mm. close not even close what was it relevant uh for you to have done it so i think we'll probably be fine uh but either way let's move on over here I didn't realize it was going to be full-on fantasy, and I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Page one. The Lord High Who? You stare at your friends, Eddie and Sue Morgan. Sue scowls. The Lord High Executioner. She repeats. We told you about him already. Are you even listening? I'm listening. I'm listening. You answer. But this story is a little hard to keep up with. Okay, good. So we are going to get the sitcom coming back from commercial break retelling the same joke so that you understand what's going on. That's what we're going to get. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, could you repeat that again in English this time? Uh, and then it's like, I said that we are all going to the coffee shop together. Mm. Yeah. Uh, As you well know. <laughs> you know that Uncle Davis is going to be in town this weekend. I told you this morning. It's I like, love when someone starts a sentence with uh, you know yeah, and then continues yeah. speaking for two and a half minutes. Like, yeah. Uncle Davis, isn't that the guy who's really into Legos? It's, yeah. <laughs> That's why I have it. Yeah. Uh-huh. We've been there. I've I've seen it. You munch another cookie and take a swig of milk. The truth is you aren't really listening. The three of you just got out of school and it's a warm spring day. There's a breeze blowing. Now that you've had a snack in the Morgan's kitchen, you want to go outside and ride your bike. Maybe have an adventure. If that's even possible in your rinky-dink little town. But Sue and Eddie insist on telling this crazy story first. About how they're actually a prince and princess from medieval England. Yeah, you think. And I'm the President of the United States. Turn to page two. You look around at the Oval Office. <laughs> Sue pushes a lock of blonde hair out of her eyes and keeps talking. Over 800 years ago, our father was the King of England. Like I said, I was Princess Susanna and Eddie was Prince Edward. Our father was a good king. He treated his subjects kindly and... Eddie and I were going to stand in our father's place as rulers of England. Sue, Eddie, reality check. Your father is Professor Morgan. You can't be the heirs to the throne of England. You're Australian. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> wait a second. If we go on this far back in time, you have to understand that the Australians were English then. <laughs> Here's, here's the thing. It's how, I, I feel like they're going to pull a... It's, I mean, we'll see. I think we're in normal... Uh, not to... Not to no but. 
But uh, this is mm. a question. Are we in normal present day? We are, right? Currently. I think so. And then I think there's the implications that we'll time travel. I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyway. We'll believe them once we time travel back in time with them and someone refers to them as prince or princess. It's true. Uh, the very appropriate you interrupt. <laughs> he teaches history at the university? He's not our real father. Eddie says. Where's your real father then? He's dead. Eddie replies. You see a cold, hard look in his eyes. He was murdered by our uncle. After that, Uncle Robert had made himself king. He'd used magic to turn the nobles against us. And he had help. Sue adds with the same hard look. From the world's most cruel, evil man, the Lord High Executioner. Find out more on page three. He's not <laughs> Our uncle, you know, the one who's really into Legos. Um, page three. The Lord High Executioner? You repeat. A chill races up your spine. He's a twisted and evil man. Eddie declares. He loves to inflict pain and suffering. After Uncle Robert became king, the executioner locked us in the tower. It's a terrible place, full of instruments of torture. We were being kept there until the executioner could burn us at the stake. Eddie shivers and goes silent. Also, I want to point out, an executioner that loves torture is not very good at their job. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it just You have one job. If, if you're torturing them, you're not executing them. You it's gotta... like, if I'm, a, if I'm a, like, a professional eater, like my, my job is eating the most hot dogs in the entire yes. world, I also don't want to be good at food fighting. Like, these feel antithetical to one another. <laughs> it's, like, it's, gonna, it's like, can you be pretty good at both of them? Sure, but it's going to mess up the flow. You're going to have to run mm -hmm. over and then pick up the hot dogs and eat them again. It's like, there's a whole mess. Uh, anyways, Eddie shivers and goes silent. Sue picks up the story. Our father's wizard, Morgrid, rescued us. He sent us to this time, to your time. We were in London, but the executioner followed us. He kidnapped us and took us back to the past. And he almost killed us again. Morgrid saved us for the second time. And he brought us back to this time again. Then we moved our way to the United States and... Morgrid stays with us and pretends he's our father. When she finishes, there's silence in the room. It's a crazy story, and you're beginning to think that Eddie and Sue believe it. Does that mean your friends are crazy? Maybe you should get out of here. There's still plenty of time to go for a bike ride. Or maybe you should stay with your friends. You hit the open road and pick a just a different story. Page 53. If you hang out with Eddie and Sue, turn to page 105. Look, I understand that you're very yes. traumatized by this experience you just had and you're trying to explain it to me in an exasperated fashion. But I gotta hit the open road, baby. I wanna feel the wind in my helmet. Could I offer you an alternative? Uh, I leap mm. on my bike. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, it zooms into the character's head and uh, as soon as it gets past the skull barrier, it's just, I want to ride my bicycle from Queen. <laughs> Is Bicycle Racer just playing? Yes, I, there's only one royalty that I'm into. Um, and then the other option is if you hang out with Eddie and Sue, turn to page 105. Mm, I think we should do that. I think it's a pretty safe uh, bet that we should do the story instead of <laughs> just, you know, uh, play D&D like someone who was just like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm you know, wouldn't it be funny if I just didn't? <laughs> 
if, what if I know the big bad's over that way? What if I just, you know, like didn't? <laughs> yep. Every yeah. every party has like one, possibly two people who act in that way a couple of times over the course of the campaign. And the trick as another player or the DM at the table is to try and figure out, okay, how do I twist that person into accepting to eat their vegetables, right? Like, yeah. how do I put a little crumb in this that they will actually bite on? Exactly. Yeah. Anywho, you've been hanging out with Eddie and Sue a lot since you moved on to your since they moved on to their block. Your my god. <laughs> Eddie and Sue a lot since they moved on to your block two months ago. They're cool. Sue is in sixth grade with you and her brother Eddie is in fifth. You would know if they were nuts, wouldn't you? We are nuts, Sue says, almost as if she's reading your mind. I know it's all hard to believe, but every word's true, and now we need your help. My help? You say. What for? We have to go back to our time. Sue answers. And we want you to come with us. Why do you have to go back? You ask with a smirk. Because Morgred has used his wizard powers to look into the past. Eddie explains. Uncle Robert is treating our subjects terribly. People are starving. Anyone who complains gets dragged away by the king's red and black uniformed men. To the tower. Eddie shivers, and Sue squeezes his arm. She looks at you. We have to go back and free our subjects. We have to find a way to get King Robert off the throne. It's our royal duty. And we need someone else to help us. Eddie adds... Someone the Lord High Executioner's men won't recognize. Someone? Sue says. Just like you. I, you know, not to sell herself short, but if that's the only criteria, I think someone who lives a long, long time ago might not recognize anyone from this time. But, you know, hey, go to page 76. What if you took back someone capable, muscular, Uh, armed, equipped, trained, you know, just ultimately not Not, a sixth grader. I was going to say not in sixth grade. (laughs) I don't know. Qualifying factor number one, not in sixth grade. Two, size of trapezius deltus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just like, I don't know, just get like a... Get like a ninja warrior contestant. <laughs> like, oh, absolutely. Stand at the end of the course. If anyone makes it to you, go, okay. And now we're going back to merry old 1200 in England. Perfect. You're going to help me save my kingdom. What? <laughs> Whoop. <laughs> How uh, much do you believe in uh, the Magna Carta? Just, just quickly. <laughs> Good enough. Come on. All right. 76. Me? Go to England 800 years in the past? (laughs) You laugh. Why not? I was thinking of taking a bike ride, just hitting the open road, but a little time travel might be a nice change of pace. Sue sighs. I know you don't believe us, she says. But you will in a minute. I have proof. She digs into the pocket of her jeans. Then she lays three smooth white stones on the table, each one the size of a chicken's egg. These are the stones that Morgred used to bring us to this time, she tells you. You decide to play along. Maybe Sue and Eddie are going to pull some elaborate magic trick. That'd be great. By the way, you pipe up. Where is Morgred? 
Is he coming to our little trip to the past? No! Eddie and Sue shout at once. He can't know our plan, Sue explains. It's way too dangerous. He only told us what was happening to scare us into never going back. I see. You tell them. Well then, use the stones. Let's go. Go to page 120. Oh, God. Eight? I believe it was nine. I think so, too. Uh, We have to prepare first. Sue replies. There's a limit to how much the stones can transport. Like, you can only take three things with you. Three things? You repeat. Like what? Anything that might come handy in a fight. Eddie suggests. Or that might get the people to follow us and help overthrow King Robert. Sue adds. Your beat-up green book bag is lying on the floor next to your soccer ball. You unzip the bag and dump out its contents. Besides a couple of school textbooks and half a peanut butter sandwich, this is what you see. It's not the ham sandwich from the book. A pocket flashlight, a tape player, a pair of sunglasses, and a soccer ball. What would you bring if you were really going back in time? Choose three of these four items. Ooh. It says turn to page 136 to write these down. I'm assuming that's the inventory page. And then turn to page 104. Pocket flashlight, a tape player, a pair of sunglasses, and a soccer ball. So it really is just which one are we not bringing. Mm -hmm. How about we treat this like a draft system? We'll each pick one until one's left. All right, I'm going to take a a pocket flashlight, tape player, a pair of sunglasses, and a soccer ball. What are you going to (laughs) take? Half a peanut butter sandwich. I'll let you go first because you had had the draft idea. Hmm. I am going to offer the pocket flashlight as the first thing to take, because if I need people in 1200s to think that I'm a wizard, or god, or some such, um, I'm going to produce light from an otherwise inert, non-flammable object. Mm-hmm. Similar thought process. I think the tape player sounds good to, like... Mm-hmm. It, uh, the thing that they do in, like, teen you know, escapade movies where, like, if they play a sound and it'll trick somebody, it could, like, actually work if it was 800 years ago, because mm-hmm. they, <laughs> they would not assume... Wait, what's that? Is that the voice of the king I hear? Actually, yeah. no, it's too low quality. That must be a non-lossless recording. Exactly. <laughs> I um, clearly did not use ALAC. Yeah. Um, I they lack. think our final option here should be the pair of sunglasses. Here's my argument. Yeah. What if we looked really cool? <laughs> I Here's the thing is like, I, my thought looking at all these is, I see these four things and I'm like, which one of these could be vaguely replicated by something that was 800 years ago? A soccer ball. Mm. Right? Like, I, not like, it's not going to be exact, but we could find something similar. Like, it's less likely that we'll, f- we're not going to find a, flashlight unless we learn magic we can't mm-hmm. make a tape player sunglasses i feel like it's likely that we're gonna be in a situation where it's like you're trying to look at this but it's the light is too blinding put on mm-hmm. sunglasses i'm like where is it gonna be for soccer ball it's like it's just if they're gonna want to pull a fast one you'd be like you need to you know defend yourself in combat kick the soccer ball at him but it's like i'll just throw a rocket yep it'd be better than kicking a soccer ball i've been the hit by only- many soccer balls 
I, I, the last interaction I had with the soccer ball was it uh, squarely smacking me in the face. Are you, and you're still alive. So. Barely. Yeah, but I'm just going to say, a rock at the same speed might have hurt more. So. Mm. Mm. Well. Depends on no, the size of the rock. wouldn't have. A, a rock at the same speed? I'd have been dead. Yeah, well, it would have hurt really bad for an, uh, an imperceptible amount of time. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's grim. Let's turn to page 104. Let's do it. With our flashlight, our sunglasses, and our tape player. You stuff the three items into your book bag. Are you ready? Eddie asks. Yep. You reply. Give me one of those rocks. <laughs> no! Sue screams so loudly that you almost jump out of your seat. The stones are dangerous, she adds gravely. When the spell takes hold, you'll probably feel strange, but whatever happens, don't touch the stones. Is that clear? Yeah, sure, you answer. This must be part of the trick. All right, Edward, Sue tells him. You start. Eddie places the first stone in his palm. Then he places the second and third on top of it until they form a small tower. You notice that the stones are glowing. Cool. They're coated with glow-in-the-dark paint, you think. Eddie begins to chant some corny spell. Movarum, Lovaris, Movaris! He calls out. Then the stones suddenly explode in a flash of blinding white light. Blink and turn to page 80. Put on your sunglasses. Imagine they got used immediately. I'm going to quickly record uh, Movarum Lovaris uh, Movaros. Okay. Because that could easily be relevant in the future. Oh, like, yes. Oh, do you remember the incantation? Hey, plus one to you. Uh, you get a point of inspiration. Uh, you're blinded. <laughs> a force like an invisible hand squeezes the air out of your lungs. You gasp for breath, fighting to stay awake. The room is spinning. Fear and panic fill your mind. Whatever's happening is no game. But what is it? Magic? Through the white haze that covers your vision, you can make out Eddie in front of you. The three white stones are still in the palm of his hand, glowing fiercely. The stones, you think. If I knock them down, whatever's happening will stop. <laughs> oh, I mean, we had one rule. With all your might, you struggle to lift your hand and knock away the stones, and then you remember what Sue said. Whatever happens, don't touch the stones. You hesitate. Sue told you not to touch them, but you feel like you're choking to death. You gotta stop this. What should you do? Knock down the stones or obey the warning? I am gonna be so mad if we're supposed to knock them down. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna obey here, and if I die, I'm gonna be furious about it. <laughs> For an imperceptible amount of time. Exactly. I'm gonna die mad. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't laugh. I'm sorry. No doubt. <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> uh, Eddie and Sue told me I'd feel weird, you think. I just didn't believe them. You realize you'd better not touch the stones because the thought hits you hard. You really are traveling in time. You're shocked, scared, and amazed all at once then you don't feel or see anything. The next thing you know, you're waking as if you, as if from a deep sleep. You slowly open your eyes, lying on a lumpy, scratchy mattress. You guess it must be filled with straw. You glance up. The ceiling of the room is made of straw, too. 
The walls are stone. Pitchforks, wooden rake, and a hoe hang from the hooks. There's a fireplace with a pile of wait, pile of peat stacked nearby. A rough wooden table, two chairs, and the bed you're lying on are the only other things in the room. This was very much like a we just got explained an escape room. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like I'm curious. It'd be fun if it was relevant for us to know that information, but I feel like it won't be. You take a deep breath. Sniff, sniff. What a stench. Smells like a barnyard in here. Sue and Eddie really did it. You marvel out loud. There's no mistaking that smell. I must be back in the Middle Ages. (laughs) You glance around the hut again. Hey, where are Eddie and Sue, you think? Search for them on page 64. Man, that... What a distinct distinct smell it only existed once (laughs) (laughs) ah yes that smells like the rotting manure of an animal that was born in 1161 yeah what's that smell it's a smell i recognize from my time that must mean it's only found 800 years ago (laughs) it smells like a barnyard that i've been to it must be from 800 years ago I only recognize this smell from the medieval theme restaurant on the main street. (laughs) Imagine them committing to the theme so hard they just have manure everywhere. (laughs) How the hell did they get that? I would have to appreciate the commitment. How did they get that past the health inspectors? (laughs) How did they do it? Oh. Anyway, 64. You managed to sit up. Eddie? Sue? You call. Where are you? Are you all right? There's no reply at first. Then you hear a soft grunting noise, almost as if someone's trying to talk. Eddie! You manage to call. Is that you? Sue? Are you hurt? No answer. All you hear is the same muffled sound. It's coming from outside. You stagger to your feet, still weak from the time travel. Then you stop. You don't know what that noise is, and you don't even know where you are. Who knows what's waiting outside the hut? What do you do? If you go outside, 97. If you stay where you are, page 40. I mean... Do you have a strong feeling? Rarely. Uh, mm. no. <laughs> no, I, I, not on this one. I think we should go outside. Yeah, I We mean, have no reason to be trepidatious yet. That is true. We don't yet. That's just, that's the natural anxiety. Um, yeah, this is like a we'll we'll figure out what we need to be anxious about if there's something to be anxious about. Mm-hmm. You have to help your friends. You stumble towards the door, supporting yourself with one hand on the cool stone wall. In the doorway, you blink in the warm in the doorway. You blink in the warm sunlight. You glance around. The hut is surrounded by well kept fields of crops. Not far off, you can see a thick forest, and running by the door is a dirt road. Then you see what's making the noise. Not to mention the stench. Stench? The stench? You see the stench? Standing in a small pen next to the hut is a fat, mud-covered hog. Now you know what smells. Then you hear another sound, like clanking metal. You turn and gasp. A pack of soldiers is running by, wearing armor and carrying swords, spears, and shields. The lead soldier suddenly stops, raises an iron-gloved fist, and points straight at you. You! He cries in a thundering voice. Surrender in the name of the Lord High Executioner. 
Surrender? Yeah, right. Run as fast as you can on the page 65. No choice. You don't get to choose to surrender here. Yeah. <laughs> 65? Wait, 65? Yep. All right. Your heart beating wildly, you turn and race across the nearest field. But the hulking soldiers quickly catch up. A fierce blow from behind sends you sprawling into the dirt. Two of the men grab you roughly and haul you to your feet. You struggle, but they hold you tight. Let me go! You cry. I didn't do anything wrong! Sure you did, the commander says with a wicked smile. You're wearing them strange clothes. The same kind his lordship told us to look out for. You glance down at your jeans and sneakers, and with a sinking heart you realize that your clothes gave you away. Eddie told you that Lord, the Lord High Executioner had been to modern times. He knows which clothes to tell his men to look for. Don't worry about your clothes, the soldier sneers. His lordship will give you something else to wear when you're in the tower. Like maybe a shirt full of spikes and nails. <laughs> oh, the soldiers guffaw. As they drag you away, you know you've failed even before you've begun. And soon you will know what it means to be a prisoner in Terror Tower. The end. Well, that ain't great. We did it. We truly got absolutely owned by going outside. This is why I don't do it. Uh, For it's, what it's worth. It's true. That this, this reason in this Goosebumps books right now is why I haven't done it my whole life. <laughs> that's right um but i also like the, the audacity dude. like you go outside you find out what the noise is it's a pig and then also here's the thing that now here's the thing that kills you <laughs> yeah it's a pig but the lord High executioner is out here and murders you yeah anyway uh page 40 this is not going outside you step towards the door but then you catch a glimpse of your jeans and sneakers i can't go outside like this you think your heart is beating quickly. Eddie and Sue told the truth about the time travel. That means their story about King Robert and his scary sidekick, the Lord High Executioner, is also true. You're in real danger, and any mistake could mean death or a living death in the tower. A non-executioning from the High Executioner. You peer around the room. Your book bag is on the small wooden table. Next to it is a piece of loose-leaf paper. You grab the paper and carry it to the low doorway where there's more light. It's a note from Eddie and Sue. We've gone back to the village for supplies. If we're not back by the time you wake up, then we've probably been captured by the Lord High Executioner. He'll take us to the tower, but he won't kill us until he has all the stones. We've kept one and hidden two. We can't write where in case this note then falls into wrong hands. They're in two of the places on the map. Our fate rests in your hands. Only you can help. You must find the stones and then rescue us from the tower. The tower? You gasp. Read more on page 91. This really is a fantasy book. We're finding magical stones scattered across the map? There's a tower? We're in medieval time. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two qualifying factors. <laughs> find stone on map. It's, it's, more, it's an RPG. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, your hand trembles as you read the rest of the note. If you can't rescue us, then hide the stones where the Lord High Executioner can never find them. We're sorry we got you into this. Good luck. 
The note is signed... Edward and Susanna. Find the stones. Rescue Eddie and Sue from the tower? How do they expect you to do that? You don't even know where the tower is. And then you remember the note said something about a map. There's no map on the table. You turn the note over and see a simple hand-drawn map on the back. To check out the map, turn to page 135 and then go to 128. I wrote down both of those. 135. This is a, this is a very, very fantasy map. I love mm -hmm. it. I love it. Uh, so there's a little castle at the tippy, tippy, tippy top. And then there's Terra Tower there. And there's two paths. I, huh. Two paths leading out from that. There's a forest, Morgus Tower, Crossroads. Are you drawing like a crude map of this or should I? I don't uh, know if I can. Oh, I'm already way ahead of you. Sure. It's all good. Effectively, there is a central point, the crossroads, which, as you may imagine, leads to many different locations. The tower, the, that's the terror tower of uh, the castle, the castle itself, the forest, Morgrid's tower, the village, and a dragon's cave. It reminds me a lot of the energy of cartography that occurs on the back of a placemat for a fast food place in the 90s. A hundred percent. Uh, all right. I got a little thing here. Uh, I got it written Excellent. down. Then we go to 128. Mm -hmm. And we rip up the map. You carefully fold <laughs> the map and put it in your book bag. You peek around, peek out of the doorway of the hut. You're surrounded by fields. Right in front of the door is a dirt road that leads into a thick cluster of trees. How are you supposed to know where to go? It's too scary. You wish you could get back to your own time and your own house. You wish this was a dream, but you know it's not. How are you supposed to find the stones, and how can Eddie and Sue expect you to sneak into the tower and save them? It's impossible. Then you notice something that cheers you up. A little bit. Hanging on a peg behind the door are some simple wooden... <laughs> sure. Wooden clothes. At least you'll blend in with the people here. The other wooden automatons... You take off your jeans and t-shirt and slip on the wooden garments. They're all scratchy and stiff and don't smell great. But they'll do. There's a pair of leather boots. You pull them on. They're surprisingly comfortable. And suddenly you don't feel quite so afraid. You pick up your book bag and step out the door into the warm sunshine. Step out onto page 118. It's a beautiful day in the countryside. The sky is bright blue and it's light breeze blows across the fields you can almost forget that you've t traveled 800 years back in time and then a picture of sue and eddie pops into your mind you see them locked in a dark tower chains on their feet and sharp blades hanging over their heads you try to force the image away first things first you murmured to yourself i've gotta find those stones then i'll think about how to rescue eddie and sue you take a deep breath and head down the road Soon the road joins with another one and becomes broader. With each step, you feel fear and excitement growing in on you. Growing in you, even. What will you see around the bend? The road climbs on a big hill. As you come to the crest, you see a flat plain stretching for miles. Down below, several roads meet to form a crossroads. One of the roads leads to the tower, you think, and you'll have to take it eventually. With grim determination, you start to walk down the other side of the hill. Walk to page 32. I'm eager to see what misadventure takes us to the Dragon's Cave, because it seems otherwise very avoidable. Yeah, it seems... 
Oh my. It seems like the one to not take, but... Mm-hmm. But it's also like dragons like treasure. It also is like it. It's like to go there. It's like you have to go there from a meta context of it seems like a place that would be most difficult and therefore more likely to have a reward. But who knows? Mm-hmm. I just can't imagine uh, Eddie and Susanna uh, uh, spawning in this world, deciding to go and get some supplies, risking being captured by the Lord High Executioner. Uh, but before that having the wherewithal to hide one of the stones in a dragon's cave. Hey, keep it in mind. <laughs> there's a real <laughs> chance that there's one everywhere. Uh, like, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. You are standing in the middle of crossroads. Tall trees surround you from where you stand. Six roads branch off in six different directions. Alongside each road is a stone marker with a simple picture carved into it. You study the markers for a long while. What do the signs mean? Which road leads to the stones? Which leads to the tower? Study your map and then you glance back at the stone markers. Which one will lead to success and which will lead to death? Which road shall you take? If you take road mark, blank, go to page blank. And it has um, they're actually little little pictures, which is unfortunate hmm. because I wrote down the names and not. <laughs> uh, if it helps, I can translate all of these immediately. The top yeah. one is the castle, then yeah. we have the tower, then we have the forest, the dragons, the Morgrid's tower, and then the uh, village. Yes. So, where do you want to go? I mean, it seems like uh, it seems like village is probably the easiest place to get some neutral information, maybe? It's true. Uh, I romance the innkeeper. It's a 130. That's a really good way to get information. <laughs> This road must lead to a village, you think. It might even be the village where Eddie and Sue went for supplies. You stride down the narrow dirt road, then you hear noises from behind. Men shouting, metal clanging on metal horses neighing. You don't know who's coming, but you want to be able to see them before they see you. Quickly, you haul yourself out of the mud and scramble onto the high, grassy shoulder of the road. You crouch behind a few scraggly bushes. You're just in time. A troop of heavily armored knights appear around a bend. Each knight wears a red and black tunic over his armor, and each carries a long, sharp lance pointed skyward. Long red and black flags flap in the wind. Red and black, you think. Why does that ring a bell? And then you remember. Eddie and Sue told you that red and black are King Robert's colors. This must be his soldiers. The earth trembles as the horses storm by. When they've disappeared, you walk back onto the road. The soldiers went in the same direction you were heading. Do you follow? If you follow 42, crossroads 32. Yeah, I understand. I mean, yeah. Do you follow? Yeah, I follow. I get it. Do you? I follow. Okay. I follow. I mean, 32 is just the crossroads again, so we're going for it. Hmm. Absolutely. Otherwise, it's like, what's the point of even (laughs) coming here in the first place then? Cautiously, you follow the road. Soon, you come to a small rise. Below you is a village. It's just a collection of huts with thatched roofs and mud walls. Thin gray smoke rises from the chimneys. Chickens peck in the dirt. This is where the common people live, you think, as you walk towards the huts. I wonder if Sue and Eddie come here. Came here. They might have left one of the stones with someone they trust. The road leads into a square of packed brown dirt at the center of the village. Just as you reach it, you hear shouting and scuffling. Soldiers? You brace yourself. Then a pack of seven or eight kids comes racing around the corner. 
of one of the cottages. Some are really young, but the oldest one looks like a teenager. They're all wearing tattered clothes covered with soot and grime. Who's that? Screeches one of the little kids. The whole gang stops. Quickly, they fan out and form a ring around you. Oh no. Before you know it, you're surrounded. They stare at you silently and you stare back. What should you do? What should you say? How will all these kids from the Middle Ages react to a stranger? Turn to page 89. All the kids are wearing red and black. I'll never understand. They've formed a dance circle around me, but I don't know how to do the orange justice, so I'm just going <laughs> to floss. <laughs> Shame. Shame. They would they would have actually uh, been on your side if you did the orange justice, but if you floss, they actually take offense. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? The state of our dental healthcare system? Die! <laughs> the kids of the medieval ages will, th will remember this. Uh... <laughs> you turn slowly, sizzling, sizzling, sizing up the gang of kids, trying to guess what they're going to do next. They look grim. Must be one of the king's spies, says a girl about your age. Sent here to take more of our food. They all mutter angrily. A few pick up rocks. The oldest boy takes a step towards you. He's at least a foot taller than you and his arms bulge with muscles. Hey! <laughs> Wait. He's at least... The oldest boy, he's a teen? He's a teen and he's got arms bulging with mud muscles? Is this the, the absolutely ripped child that we were playing as in Twas? <laughs> <laughs> this is... Yoked as hell. Yeah. Hey, he barks. What are you doing here? It's me our place. I, I... You stammer, trying to think of an answer, but your mind is blank. You begin to move your arms forward, back, forward, side to side, forward, back, side to side. Uh, the, <laughs> the boy takes another step forward. His face is covered with grime. His long brown hair is matted behind his ears. He also smells like he's been spending time with that pig back at the hut you woke up in. The boy grins at you with his yellow teeth. It's a nasty grin. Not friendly. No floss. You get ready to run or fight if you have to. And then the boy's grin gets even wider. No, you any good games? Have games on your phone, he asks. <laughs> <laughs> if you have this... Oh... If you have the soccer ball, go to page 81. If you don't have the soccer ball or have the ball but don't want to use it, go to page 62. Interesting. 89 to 81. 62. Soccer. All right. I'll keep that in mind. So we have to go to 62. It's the only thing we mm -hmm. didn't bring. Of course, we go. the first choice we get that has to do with the inventory is the only thing we didn't bring. Mm-hmm. You don't have time to play games with these kids. Sorry. You answer. But my backpack was full. I uh, can't play now. I have homework to do? He stares at you. Homework? He asks. What is homework? I mean, hey. It should just, can't you? You'd assume, if you just heard that, you'd assume it was work you would do at home, which surely... Yeah. These no, kids I know do. about yard work. I know about <laughs> field work. What's your work, though? Yeah. Uh, deduce, child. Deduce, rip, child. Deduce. 
The big boy turns and wanders off. all of his stats elsewhere. I mean, we relate. (laughs) Most of the kids follow him, but two stay, a boy and a girl who both look about your age. Homework? The boy says, squinting at you. He scratches his head with a filthy hand. I know's a place you can do homework. Come with me. It's not far. He grins, but his teeth are yellow, and there are a couple missing. But his smile seems friendly. Don't go with him, the girl says. This place is on the other side of the village. If the king's soldiers spot you, they will stop you and question you. And if they don't like the answers... She makes a cutting motion across her throat with her index finger. She's right. The last thing you want to do is run into some of the king's men. Maybe you should find a place to hide out, but that won't help you find Eddie and Sue. Maybe you should follow the boy. You could ask him some questions. To go with the boy, 125 to hide, page 7. Hmm. I'm going to go with the boy. You go, boy? Yeah. 125, page 7. Gotcha. I'm a, I'm a naive, trusting sort until given the reason not to be. Okay. Okay. You nod to the boy. I'll go with you. The grimy boy grins. He pulls you down a narrow dirt lane. Soon you come to a tumble-down cottage surrounded by a muddy yard. Hey, door! The boy shouts. Immediately, a tall, very strong-looking man stoops under the low doorway. His bald head glints in the sun, and his narrow brown eyes stare at you in puzzlement. Who's this? He growls at the boy. Someone who wants to do homework, the boy exclaims. The boy's father turns his heavy pink face towards you. You like homework, do you? He says with an evil grin. You suddenly realize that people in the Middle Ages have a different idea about homework. In a flash, the big man lunges at you and seizes your shoulders in a painful iron grip. We've got plenty of homework here, he says. He points to a hoe lying in the mud. Pick it up. He shouts. Do your homework, and don't try to sneak off. You stare at the large muddy field. You can't even believe it. You traveled all the way to the Middle Ages to wind up working as a field hand. You struggle to lift the hoe, and as you do, you have a shocking thought. For the first time in your life, you wish you were doing homework. The end. Well, <sighs> you know I what? Mean... I think it was actually fair. It was a misunderstanding. I could trust that person. They just thought I was willing to sell myself into indentured slave like servitude for nothing. Yeah. Just for a wish of wanting to do more labor. Yeah. They didn't they didn't know any better. More or less we 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 basically I mean, I would see I predicted it. I said you mm-hmm. would just think that homework is this. And the the book said, "Yeah, you're right. That they would think and that." And yet they still made us do field work. <laughs> Odd. You glance at the waiting boy. Sorry, you say. But she's right. I'd better hide. The boy looks disappointed. He shrugs and walks away. You turn to the girl. Where are the soldiers? You ask. Everywhere. She says. They come at all times, taking our food, demanding more and more. It hardly pays to work the fields anymore, and we're all hungry. A look at the girl's gaunt face shows you that she's telling the truth. You begin to realize why Eddie and Sue had come back. 
But why don't the people just rebel? You ask. The girl grimaces. The king's spies are everywhere. If anyone says anything, they haul him off to the cursed tower. Once that executioner gets his hands on you, you're as good as dead. Apparently. She lowers her voice. Me own father was taken away last year. We never heard from him since. I better get out of here. You mutter. Where? But you don't get a chance to finish. At that moment, you hear rough voices nearby and the sound of a chain-mailed fist banging on the door. The girl's face freezes with fear. Quick, hide! She hisses. They're searching the village! Hide on page 131. They'll know you're a stranger! The girl whispers. Get out of here, now! <laughs> you hear the sound of heavy footsteps moving from door to door in the village. The girl suddenly turns and dashes out of the square, leaving you alone. You start to follow her when the door to the nearest cottage pops open. A round-faced woman with long red hair pokes her head out. Here, you, she calls softly. You don't want to get seen by them, do you? Get inside and I'll hide you. The woman's face is worried. She motions to you with a plump hand. You hear the soldiers getting closer. Any minute, they'll come around the corner. You don't know if you can outrun them, but... Can you trust this woman? If you trust her, turn to page 73. If you run away, uh, 27. I mean, trust until trust broken? Exactly. 73. I can fix her, you think. I can trust her, you think. She's putting herself in danger by hiding me. Maybe she feels sorry for me. You rush into the small cottage. The woman slams the door shut after you. Quick! She whispers hoarsely. Hide in the kindling basket. She shoves you towards the back of the room, where a large wicker basket stands against the wall. Thank you so much. You begin, but she motions you to be silent. She helps you climb into the basket, then she drops the lid into place. You're in the dark. The twigs in the basket poke you in a dozen places, but you don't dare move. Through the sides of the basket, you hear the woman shuffling around in the cottage. Seconds later, you hear a heavy chain-mailed fist pounding on the thick cottage door. Open up in the name of the king! Booms a loud voice. All right, you don't have to shout. The woman says. You hear her open the door. Wonder what clever trick she's going to use to send them away, you think? I've got the one you're looking for. You hear the woman say matter-of-factly. All wrapped up and ready to go. Turn to page 57. I'm going to say that this is a double bluff and there's a meal that she's prepared. Okay. Oh no! The woman betrayed you! Oh no! The lid of the basket is thrown back and you stare up into the faces of five armored soldiers and they all laugh wickedly. You feel icy terror spread through you. You've been captured by the king's men. Won't take long for them to figure out that you're not from this time and then they'll hand you over to the Lord King... Wait, Lord High Executioner. And that means the tower. Hey! The woman yells angrily as they drag you outside. What about me rewards? The commander flips her a dull coppered-colored coin. She snaps it out of the air and squints at it. I got three times this for the last one, she says. The price has gone down. The soldiers laugh harshly. The last one? You blurt out. The soldier chuckles. <laughs> Princess Susanna? 
You gasp. This woman betrayed Sue, and you fell into the same trap. With all the guards, there's no chance of escaping. As they tie you to the back of the horse, you can't help your next thought. The woman got three times as much for betraying Sue, so what am I? Chopped liver? The end. I like that. Mm-hmm. I We're like also that worth a third of uh, the royalty of this nation. That's pretty good. That's, like, really good. <laughs> that is true. That's a good get. Uh, Alright, 27. Can't trust her. I can't fix her. Even if this woman really wants to help you, her cottage doesn't seem very safe. The soldiers are sure to search it. The girl who warned you probably knows a safe place to hide. You decide to follow her. You shake your head at the woman in the doorway and run as The visual of that is so uh -uh. good. That's such a good visual. No. No. And you run as fast as you can down the town square. As you rush down a path between the two fields, you can hear soldiers shouting. They've spotted you. You race down the narrow path. The sound of the running men and the hoofbeats tell you that the soldiers are close behind. You don't dare look back for fear of tripping on the uneven ground. Up ahead is as thick as a grove of trees. Is a thick a grove of trees. About as thick as a grove of trees. If you can just reach it, maybe you can find some place to hide. As you get near the trees, you stumble on a rock and fall flat. You lie there, stunned, waiting for the soldiers to catch up and haul you off the tower. <laughs> I'm sorry. The visual of us poking our head out the door, seeing the woman. She goes, come over here, I'll help you. Uh, and you go, you shake your head, no, uh-uh. And then you book it, mm -hmm. trip on a rock, and, and fall face down flat and stay there? Yes, yeah. we are well within Wily e. Coyote territory. We are a Looney Tune. It's so good. When we ran away, I think we left a dust cloud in the shape of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, they haul you out. They're waiting to catch up to you and haul you off to the tower. Don't lie, man, like a fool, whispers a high-pitched voice. With a shock, you feel a strong hand haul you to your feet. See who it is on page 35. Uh, boy? No. Oh. You peer up at a slender figure in a dark cloak and hood. Come on, then, he whispers. Or do you want to be taken to the tower? You only have a split second to make your decision, but it's not much of a choice. You allow yourself to be pulled into the shelter of a... of a stand... Wait, into the shelter of a stand of thin birch trees... The man roughly shoves you to the ground. Then he drops down next to you, and the next second, a troop of armored horsemen thunder by and on the narrow lane. They're followed by a dozen foot soldiers. You can hear the men grunt as they run down the path. You can hardly breathe from fear. The man next to you claps a hand on your shoulder. Come on, then, he says as he gets to his feet. Without another word, he begins to walk deeper into the forest. If he's following a trail, you don't see it. You get up and stumble after the stranger. His face is hidden by his hood, but you notice that there's that he's not much taller than you are. Where are we going? You gasp as you struggle to keep up. Robin's camp, is his only reply. Follow him to page 78. Robin's camp? Could Robin be Robin Hood? You can't remember if there was a real Robin Hood. If there was, when did he live? Anyways, you walk through the, the dense woods for what seems like an hour. Then suddenly you emerge into a large clearing. 
In front of you is a small village tucked into the middle of the forest. Neat cottages are built around and sometimes in the trees. Tables are set out in the open and dozens of people sit around them eating and laughing and talking. Robin's camp, your guide says with a flourish. Right then, you make up your mind. You're going to ask this fellow Robin to help you look for the stones. Please take me to see Robin, you ask. Now? The stranger looks almost annoyed. Oh, but we haven't eaten. I've got no time to waste, you reply a little gruffly. Well, if you can't wait, go see Robin yourself. The stranger snaps. You know, you should find Robin. There's no time to waste, but you don't want to offend your guide who's been helpful and kind. Besides, you're hungry. If you go to find Robin, 122. If you stay with the stranger, 33. Uh, is it going to be like uh, we get an arrow shot at us because Robin doesn't expect us to show up? Is that the, mm. is that the gist of it? I, I know it's not this... But some weird, like the the fact that the this character has their their face covered in a hood at all times, like you're expecting the story to reveal that they are someone. Maybe they are Robin, and they you know don't immediately want to be forthright with that information. Mm. Maybe we offend them by seeking them out directly rather than appreciating that they attempted to save us. Yeah. I mean, either way, I'm down to... So you think 33? Yeah, let's stay with the stranger. Also, what's the food like in this time? Yeah. I've always wanted to eat mutton. Mmm. I haven't, but I will. 33. Mm. Okay, let's eat. You decide. The stranger leads you to a table and motions for you to sit. Then the stranger throws back the hood of his cloak. To your astonishment, the stranger is not a man at all. Oh, it's a young woman with long red hair. I am Robin. Ooh, she announces with a broad grin. And these are my people, all sworn enemies of King Robert and the Lord High Executioner. Dozens of men and women crowd around. You notice that the looks they give you are not at all friend not all friendly. Now that you know who I am, Robin continues. It's time for you to tell us who you are, stranger. You know you have to be careful, but you want to trust these people. You need a friend in this strange place and time, so the words begin to pour out of you. you tell the whole story about Eddie and Sue. They make a couple quips like, well, why did not they just get like a ninja warrior or something? And then the time travel and you, how you're trying to rescue them. When you're done, the crowd of people stare at you dumbfounded. A strange story, Robin says thoughtfully. And we would like to help the prince and princess if we can. How do we know we can believe you? Go to page 83. Have you ever seen... Sunglasses before? Ooh. How can you convince these people that you told the truth, that you were really from the future? You frown. There must be something in your book bag. Something that'll amaze them and make them believe about your... Wait, make them believe your weird tale. But what? What did you bring with you? If you have a soccer ball, 103... If you have the tape player, 70. If you both choose, we only have one. So page exactly. 70. Exactly. Also, also, if we try and demonstrate ball? the future... Exactly. <laughs> Behold the futuristic technology of the orb. Oh, my God. You take the portable tape player out of your pocket. This is from the future. You proclaim confidently. 
You step to the nearest person, a young woman. You slip the headphones over her ears and switch on the tape. You see? You start to explain. It plays- HELP! The woman screams and snatches the headphones from her ears. I had demons? That boxes block magic? No. You assure her. It's all very scientific. See, there's magnetic tape, which... But your words are drowned out by the screams of the people. Witchcraft! They shout. Burn the witch! I'm not a witch! You wail, turning to Robin. She glares at you with shock and anger. Take the witch away, she commands. A dozen pairs of hands grab you and lift you off the ground. You're tied to the stake with thick ropes. Others pile brush and firewood around your feet. There's nothing you can do, no way to escape. Then one of the men comes up carrying a torch. He's going to set the wood pile on fire. And you remember what was in your cassette player. A homemade tape of your neighbor's horrible band. No wonder the woman thought she turned demons. The end. Wait, wait. That's not Now, great. time travel. Yes. Totally normal and mundane. But yes. if you play sound, death. Yes. Time That's travel, witchcraft. not magic. Decidedly. No. Mundane. Not magic. So, unfortunately, without we don't the have soccer, a soccer ball, ball, so we how have far to, back do we have to go? We have to not. Uh, we have to go look for Robin. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. You don't have time to waste eating lunch. You thank the stranger and stride off through the camp. Doesn't take long before you attract some attention. Hey! A tall man with broad shoulders and thick muscled arm approaches you. What are you doing in Robin's camp? A half dozen men and women gather behind him. Their faces are grim and angry. I'm looking for Robin? You reply. Are you? The man steps closer and squints at you. And who be you to look for Robin? One of the king's spies! Someone in the crowd shouts. Oh, from the Lord High Executioner! But I'm not a spy! You try and explain who you are, but your story is lost in the shouts from the crowd. Kill the spy! Someone screams. The tall man holds up his thick palm. No! First, we must have a trial, he says. A trial! Trial by combat! The crowd roars. Before you know it, you're being carried along by the crowd. They take you to a broad, fast-flowing stream crossed by a fallen tree trunk. The tall man hands you a thick staff. Then he jumps nimbly out into the middle of the tree trunk. You have a sinking feeling you know what's coming next. Go to page 58. We really should have brought a gun. Like, it's just... <laughs> You want to it see, wasn't one of the options. You want proof that I'm from the future? All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. It's just, it's so, it solves so many problems in, in 1206, you know? It, it's true. In, in, in 1206, absolutely stellar. Uh, Come along, the man calls. He twirls his staff like a baton. Knock me in, or I'll knock you in. A dozen hands push you onto the tree trunk. It isn't more than two feet wide, and it's all you can do is keep your balance. How are you going to fight off this giant man? He takes a step forward and swings the end of his staff at your head. You manage to duck as it goes whistling by above you. The crowd cheers. This is an internal thought. Hey, you think? Maybe I have a chance to. Your thoughts are cut off by a nasty crack at the other end of the man's staff. 
Wait, as the, the nasty crack of the other man's staff hits you hard on the ankle, your feet go flying out into space. Okay. You grab a tree, but it's no use. your feet into the low earth orbit. I mean, okay. But it's no use. The last thing you hear before you hit the water is wild cheering. The rushing water drags you along. You fight to keep your head above the surface. Finally, the current throws you up against the bank and you crawl ashore. You lie there panting and spitting out the water you've swallowed, and finally, after a long while, you recover. You haul yourself up the riverbank and find yourself by a small footpath. You follow it. Before long, you are right back where you started, at the crossroads. No. So, the, Correct. the entire village path, as far as I'm aware, Correct. Uh, needs a soccer ball. Otherwise, you shouldn't go there. Correct. Got it. Village. Hopefully one of these... Uh, <laughs> you know what, actually? Uh, I I do almost anticipate... Uh, what if we go to every location and all of them are like, do you have a soccer ball? Like, it would be really <laughs> useful if you had a soccer ball. Uh, I'm looking for something black and white and spherical. Uh, <laughs> yeah, screw it. Let's go to the Dragon's Cave. Let's go to the Dragon's Cave. 29. At this point... <laughs> You haven't followed this road for more than ten minutes before you've come to a large wooden sign. The crudely drawn letters are hard to read, but you can make them out. Dragon's Cave. Turn back or die. You want to laugh out loud? Those medieval people are so stupid. They believe in dragons. Okay. Then you notice that the edges of the sign are charred black. You peer past the sign and you see that the trees behind are burned to like matchsticks. Eddie and Sue didn't say anything about a dragon's cave, you think, but it's on their map. If I were going to hide something, I'd, I'd put it here. Then again, those burned trees and the charred sign, what if it... There really is such a thing as a dragon. If you go to the cave, turn to 51. If you turn back or you already have two stones, 69. Hmm, that's not the crossroads, interestingly, on 32. Yeah... I, I mean, wonder... how long can our failure really be? Let's go to the cave. Well, it's also like, is are they saying that because there is a stone here and they don't want the continuity error of us getting a third stone? Uh, eh? yeah. That's kind of my Makes thought. Sense. I will say, I do not remember. What was the other page? Just in case. Uh, 69. Uh, sorry, could you say that one more time? Uh, the the <laughs> funny number. Okay. Uh, you take a deep breath and walk past the sign. And into the burnt forest. The land becomes more and more barren until there's nothing but rocks, burned soil, and pools of muddy water. The path leads down into a grim-looking valley. At the bottom, in a cleft between two large boulders, is a gaping hole. That must be it, you think. Although you've never seen a dragon's cave before, you clamber over to the stones and drop into the black mouth of the cave. You thought it'd be dark as night inside, but it's instead it's brightly lit. You, gr you gasp when you see that the light is coming from a mountain of jewels and gold piled on the floor of the cavern. Then a rush of hot air and sound like a blast furnace shock you back into reality. Above the jewels rises a long, snake-like neck. And at the end of the neck is a lizard-like head. And at the end of the lizard-like head is, is a, a dragon-like nose. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Only this head is the size of a small car. And at the, 
planet where the headlights would be on the small car or the nostrils of a dragon. Bright orange and blue flames leap from its mouth and nose as it speaks. Who dares disturb me? It thunders. Whoa! Guess there is such thing as a dragon after all. Kick yourself on to page 25. Ah, <laughs> oh, just my luck. I... She drags a real cheese. Oh, I knew it. Like, I didn't believe time travel was real, and then time travel was real, and then I didn't believe magic was real, and then magic was real. But a dragon? Aw, oh, fool me six times. Shame on me, finally. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Slowly, Ooh. almost painfully, the dragon raises itself from the pile of jewels. It's more terrifying than you could have imagined. It's part dinosaur, part nightmare, part car, part snake, part lizard, all dragon. Its back, legs, and wings are covered with thick, sharp spines, each one taller than you. You're too scared to run. You stand frozen. The dragon's long neck snaps out with terrifying speed. Its huge mouth is only inches away. You almost faint when the smoke pouring out of its mouth. When the smoke pours out of its mouth, you fall to your knees, trembling, ready for the end. There is but one thing that will save you. The dragon breathes in an eerie whisper. More treasure for my hoard. What have you brought me? You... Treasure, you rack your brain trying to think of what you can give the dragon for its treasure trove. What do you have in your book bag? If you brought a flashlight, 49. Tape player, 63. I have a thought. Do you have a thought? The, the flashlight is more likely to demonstrate shininess yes. than the tape player. Mm. The shinier, the better. Exactly. That, that's, like the only, that's the only lead I have. Let's do it. I'm Let's ready to, to have 49. my heart. I'm ready to have my heart broken again. On page mm -hmm. forty-nine, you plunge your hand into your book bag, fishing around, pulling out a flashlight. Uh, uh behold! You say, trying to sound as if you're about to show the dragon something great. Uh, magic light stick. The dragon turns its head so one of its huge green eyes is turned towards the flashlight. A light stick. Mm, I have a prediction. It breathes, and a ball of orange fire explodes out of its mouth with tremendous crack. How does the magic work? Uh, like this, oh fire breather? You reply. You switch on the flashlight. The beam of light shoots right in the dragon's eye, and with a gigantic roar of pain, the dragon snaps its head back. The force of the breath knocks you tumbling onto the floor. You feel the soles of your boots curl up from the heat. Ah, trick! The dragon roars. You have tried to blind me. Now you will feel my flames, Bwah. <laughs> the giant bwah. head, Bwah, comes out at you like a freight train. A freight train car snake lizard. The huge mouth opens. <laughs> you can smell the sickening stench of the dragon's fiery breath. You turn to run, but as you do, the dragon opens its mouth. When you hear the roar of its breath, you turn just in time to see a gigantic ball of fire flying through the air. And it's headed straight for you. The end. So the 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 tape player. How do you fear that will? I mean, or imagine we'll, that will demonstrate something we'll to the dragon. Figure it out, I guess. Fair enough. Uh, here, oh mighty breath. You say in a quivering voice. Uh, magic music machine. 
Your hands are shaking, but you manage to pull your tape player from your book bag. Music? The dragon replies. <laughs> uh, maybe it's wishful thinking, but the creature sounds a little less angry. Make music! It commands you. Uh, um, you have to wear it. You explain nervously. You creep up the pile of jewels until you're level with one of the beast's ears. You feel the great neck twitching beneath you. As carefully as you can, you place the earphones on the leathery ear and tuck the tape player inside the ear itself. Then you switch on the tape and hold your breath. Turn to page 117. Nothing happens for a few minutes. The dragon sits there with your tape player in its ear. Then you see the great lizard's head begin to bob up and down in time with the music. Um... Dragon! You murmur, trying to be polite, but it doesn't seem to hear you over the music from the earphones. Dragon! You shout. Yes? It answers, sounding a little annoyed. Uh, I was wondering. You say. In this great treasure trove of yours, you wouldn't, by any chance, happen to have any smooth white stones about yay big? You hold your fingers apart to show him. White stones? The dragon answers. Hmm, yes. It seems to me I picked up one of those the other day. I think I left it in the back room. You can have it if you want. Thank you, mighty fire breath! You reply. You start to edge towards a hole in the back wall of the cavern. Don't mention it. The dragon tells you. Its head bops up and down. I love it. Oh, this is a banger. But be careful! <laughs> it adds... After you get the stone, go up the shaft to the surface. Don't take any other tunnels. Thank you, oh broiler mouth, you cry. You turn and run for the back exit. Go to page 48. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stand being called a broiler mouth. I would think that's a step too far. Yeah. You're getting too familiar. I'm going to eat you now. Yep. Uh, thanks for the tune. Your lunch. All right. You find yourself in a large underground chamber. It's pretty dark, but some light comes down through a hole in one of the walls. You realize you must be near the surface. The cavern is empty except for something small and white that sits in the middle of the floor. You rush to it and pick it up. It's a small white stone about the size of an egg, and it starts to glow in your palm. It's one of the magic stones! You cry. Yes! Joy floods through you, and carefully you slip it into your pocket. Then you look around for a way out. The light is coming from the... A sloping shaft that leads up. Its sides are smooth and slippery. You try to inch up. Right away, you slip and fall to the ground. Jagged rocks bruise your back. Maybe I could climb if I tried a little harder, you think. Or maybe next time I'll fall and break my legs. There are others, several other holes in the wall, but all of them lead downwards. You see one tunnel that looks like it's large enough to stand in. The path seems much easier. Which way do you go? Up. And listen to a dragon, or go down and disobey a dragon. Mm, I don't think I'm smarter than a fifth grader, let alone a dragon. Sue. Yeah. Dragon, tell me to jump. I don't know how dragons and fifth graders compare to one another. I just know they're both smarter than me. <laughs> I, hmm. I do want to see a dragon on Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? I, at this point... We never said a fifth grader human. That's not it. You can't it's, prove that. Just Jeff Foxworthy true. just like needling someone. <laughs> now, we never said it was going to be a human. 
That's true. You decide to try and climb again, and finally, by pressing your feet against the side of the shaft and your back against the other, you manage to inch your way up. You just climb better, forehead. It takes all your strength, and once or twice, you almost fall, but finally, you reach the top of the climb, top and climb out into the bright sunlight. You lie there panting until you catch your breath, and your eyes get used to the light. Then you pick yourself up. Grimly, you remind yourself that you can still, you still have to rescue Eddie and Sue before you can get home. It's time to get moving again. Glancing around, you recognize a big, pointy rock that you saw on your way in, and you start walking, and soon you find yourself at the crossroads. Turn to 136 and write Magic Stone, and then turn to page 32, back to the crossroads. Mm-hmm. So. I do like that, uh, like, there's there's no reason that you wouldn't be able to go back towards the Dragon's Cave, but if you did, you would start wondering if dragons exist again. maybe we should go to 29 again um okay do you have a lean for chance i kind of want to know who morgrid is i also feel like it seems the next most treasury yeah so some sort of wizard's tower absolutely all right cross fingers if you have two stones, turn back. Cross fingers if you have two stones, turn back. This road leads towards a tower. As you walk along, it quickly turns into nothing more than a narrow trail through a jumbled underbrush. The thorny bushes crowd in around you. Before you've walked very far, your arms and face are scratched and bleeding in a dozen places. You're tired and hot, and the cuts sting. Just as you decide to go back to the crossroads to find an easier route, you see a tall, slender tower on a hill above you. The Terra Tower? Oh! You moan out loud. But it doesn't look the way you imagined. It's white and pretty and almost inviting. There are even pink and white flowers growing around the base. But, like, we had the map. We. Well, whatever. You decide to take a closer look. After a few minutes of climbing, you reach the base of the tower. There's no windows, there's only one small wooden door. You circle the tower, the door's the only way in. Walk towards the door. It's made of rough, unfinished wood, much like your clothes. Without a handle or even a knocker, it's set deep in the stone wall. You notice the stones around the entrance are jagged, almost like teeth. Ooh, turn to page 134. Is this a monster house? Yeah, is it, Like, does it not have a door because that's its mouth? I would love that. You place your hands on the door and give it a push. It's as solid as the stone walls around it. Taking a deep breath, you bang your fist on the door. Boom! The whole tower vibrates like a huge drum. You have to hold your ears until the sound dies down, but when it does, there's still no sign of life anywhere. I guess no one's home, you think. You glance up and see some letters carved into stone just above the doorway. K-M-P-E-P-C-B plus two. Okay. Maybe it's a password, you think. Maybe if I say those letters, the door will swing open? Take a closer look at the jagged rocks around the door, or the ones that look like teeth. Maybe the door won't swing open. Maybe something terrible will happen. Maybe you should study the letters a little bit longer and see if you get a brilliant idea. Save the letters on page 18, or study longer on 31. Uh, this is a uh, transposition cipher uh, that says Morgrid if you move the letter to past the letter it is. So K to M, M becomes O, P becomes R, so on and so forth until you get the name Morgrid. 
Okay. I mean, I. it's funny because it's like, it's telling us what we do already know. We're like, let's go to Morgrid's Tower. But mm. the question is... I mean, if we well, study them a little we, longer, theoretically we have the to study them longer. Ask. Yeah, that, I think that that's the thing is it it will come to that conclusion if we if we go there. It'll be, oh, it says probably. We'll explain how to do it. So thirty one. Mm hmm. Hey, uh, there you go. Wait, you think just as you're about to say the letters out loud that the message is a code and plus use the key to the code quickly translate the letters changing each one to the alphabet for the one that comes to after it in the alphabet write the answer here Morgan. that turn to page 45 there we go now you know what the coded message means in a loud clear voice you shout Morgrid! the door swings open by itself and you see a clean well-lit round room inside of course, you declare. This isn't Terror Tower, it's Morgrid's Tower. Morgrid is the wizard who helped Edwin and Susanna. The guy who pretends to be their father, Mr. Morgan? Okay, now that is the, I'm back from a commercial break in the sitcom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Morgrid is back in your own time. But he's a friend of the prince and princess. Maybe there's something in his tower you can use to help rescue them. Feeling relieved, you step over the, th the threshold. The room you enter seems to be Morgrid's living area. There's a simple bed, a table, and two chairs. A fireplace, some pots, some pans. Also a wooden staircase leading to the next floor. If you go up, 74. If you decide to explore more, 66. I mean, 66. Surely, like, there's goodies and helpables and material around here for us? I mean, we have an inventory. So Exactly. I'd better go slowly, you think. I'll check out this room before I see what's upstairs. Sounds like a good idea, but after a minute, you get bored. <laughs> All you find are some old pots and pans, knives and forks, and other kitchen utensils. There's a covered pot by the fireplace, but when you open it, your noise... Noise? <laughs> your nose is hit by a terrible smell. Inside is a black and green gooey mess. You drop the pot and jump back in fright, expecting some more magic. Then you realize it's just some old moldy food that Morgan left behind. You're still recovering from your shock when you sit down on the wooden bed. It's covered with a soft woolen blanket. You bounce up and down a couple times. Slowly, re you realize how tired you are. I could sleep for about 800 years. Before you know it, your eyes are drooping shut. Your arms and legs feel as if they're sinking into the bed and your head drops to the pillow. Wake up! Someone is shaking you. You open your eyes. A man is standing over you. He's wearing a dark blue blazer, tan pants, a white shirt, and a striped tie. He's a dad. Get out of bed on 39. Mm -hmm. That's the dad uniform. Yeah. Who are you? You ask, stealing, still feeling groggy. A uh, Mr. Congreve. He says in an icy tone. Assistant manager. I was about to ask what you're doing sleeping in one of our rooms. Your rooms? You repeat dumbly. You gaze around. Everything has changed. You're not in the Morgan's Tower anymore. You're in some sort of hotel room. There's a television and a phone by the bed, and the assistant manager's wearing modern clothes. You're back in your own time, but how? The manager frowns. This is Barclay Hotel London. He sniffs. And our rooms are only for paying guests. Your mind races as you try and figure out what happened. You were sitting in Morgan's bed, and you said, I could sleep for about 800 years. And then the next thing you knew, 
Of course, Morgret has a magic bed. It puts you to sleep as for as long as you wanted, and you've been asleep for 800 years. Yes. Come along, the manager says. You'll have to leave. As you stand up to follow the manager, you realize that you'll never rescue Edward and Susanna now. 800 years, you think as you leave the room. I just hope they don't make me pay the hotel bill. The end. All right. So we can get punished. For so. Them. Yeah, what's up? You know what? It's it's the fault of the interior decorator because someone entered this room and <laughs> put modern appliances there just around the sleeping person. Like, the fact that they only realize I'm here now, that's their fault. Yeah, that don't make sense. So, uh, definitely don't stay downstairs, I guess. Yeah. You climb the steep stairs into another circular room. This one's full of glass beakers filled with colorful fluids. Herbs hang from the ceiling. A skeleton is propped in one corner. In the center of the room is a large wooden table. It's bare except for a very thick old book. A spell book, you think. You run to the table. The words on the cover are in a strange script. You have to move the letters, too, to the right. But as you stare, the letters shift and change. Suddenly, they stand out as clear as day. Why you take this? Warning! This book is only to be used by trained magic technicians. Unauthorized use may lead to unpredictable results. Above all, do not use the spell on page 2001. It is only for emergencies. Morgred. Unpredictable, you think? Everything that's happened lately is unpredictable. I need help. Where do you start? The warning said to spell on 2001s for emergencies. Well, this is an emergency. Then again, maybe you should start at the beginning of the book. Or you should heed the warning and on the cover and not use the book at all. Is the spell on page 2001 going to take you to the year 2001? Yeah, that makes sense. AKA, like, modern times. Anyway, if yeah, you let's want to go to the year 9 instead. Yeah, if you want to start at the beginning of the book, turn to page 9. If you want to use the spell, if you want to use the spell, go to page 133. If you don't want to use the book at all, go to 41. Uh, May I ask that we pause for a moment? Yeah. Okay. Uh, are you interested in this book at all? I mean, yeah, surely we want to start at the start of it and read a little bit, because there was on the Beware page, will you learn how to wield magic, cast a spell? Um, mm. I guess the spell may be only the emergency page. Yeah, that's true. But we might get some context about it. All right. Let's move to page nine. Yeah. The spells at the front of the book are probably for beginners, you think. Start with one of those. You open the book and peer at the first page. Once again, the letters seem to swirl and shift. Then you can read them. Beginner spell, it says at the top of the page. Just what I thought. You say to yourself. You read on in Morgred's voice. This spell is for real beginners. It's a good place to start. In fact, it's where everybody starts. Just say it three times. If this is where everyone starts, how dangerous could it be, you think? You take a deep breath and read aloud the words printed at the bottom of the page. Anthroporum, Schnorumtorum, Paleozoic, Leeuwenhoek. You read them aloud again and then a third time. Something happens. 
I guess I did something wrong, you think, feeling a little relieved. Then, in a next breath, the room fa- uh, vanishes in a flash of blue light. Travel to page 37. Thud. You fall onto the ground with the impact that knocks the breath out of you. The wooden floor beneath you is now cold, rough stone. It's dark except for the flicker of firelight from nearby. A harsh voice makes you jump to your feet. You're face to face with a short, very muscular man. He's wearing... All he's wearing is a dirty animal skin around his waist. His hair and beard hang around his shoulders in a long, greasy knot. He waves a stone axe around at, at you and bares his teeth in a growl. Nervously, you glance around. You're in a cave. There's a large fire in the middle of the floor, and the man... And behind the man are a dozen other people. Men, women, children, all in animal skins. I'm back in the Stone Age. You realize with dismay? That spell, the book said it's where everyone starts. It meant all people started in the Stone Age. That's not fair. Ugga! Pumpra! The caveman roars, lifting his axe. If an anthropologist finds your bones hundreds of thousands of year from, years from now, it'll change the study of ancient man. And my teacher said I'd never amount to anything, you think, just as the stone axe swings towards your head. The end. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah. It is where everyone starts. So, do you want to use the emergency spell or turn Let's away from the Let's use the emergency the book? spell. Okay. Oh, absolutely. We can't, we can't let that go. All right, 133. Well, it does say it's for emergencies. You tell yourself as you turn to page 2001. The instru- This is going to be <laughs> us many years from now. Welcome to turn to page 2001. Uh, the instructions <laughs> on the parchment page are very short. In case of emergency, repeat these words three times. S O S. Nine one one. <laughs> That's all you wonder. You can take a deep breath and follow the instructions. When you're done, you brace yourself for something terrible or wonderful. But you jump in fright when the skeleton in the corner begins to talk. Attention! It says, "You are an unauthorized spellmaker. You will be removed from these premises." Before you can say anything, there's a flash of blinding white light. Sunglasses. The next thing you know, you're standing back at the crossroads, in the exact place you were a couple hours earlier. It was a magic burglar alarm, you mutter. You take a moment and catch your breath. As far as you can tell, you're still in one piece. Well, you think, I'm back where I started, but at least I didn't turn myself into a frog or something. From out of nowhere, you hear the voice of the skeleton. Not this time. Go back to page 32, the crossroads. I mean, we could also not cast any spells, which is a possibility. We could go straight Uh, back there. It would be like we're going back to the... Yeah. We just go back, so that's 41. You snap the book's cover shut. I'm not messing around with this stuff. You say out loud. Good. Good choice. You whirl around. With a shock, you realize it's the skeleton in the corner that's talking, its jaw clattering up and down. You are not ready for the book! <laughs> he goes on. But I'm going to reward you for knowing your own limits! <laughs> the skeleton points a finger bone at a wooden box in the corner. 
You walk over and study the box. There's an egg-shaped dent in the lid. If you have a magic white stone, you may place it in the dent. The skeleton chatters. And then you get a big surprise. A big surprise, huh? Sometimes surprises aren't all they're cracked up to be, especially in the Middle Ages. If you have a magic stone and you want to put it in the, in the hole in the lid, turn to page 94. If you don't have it or you don't want to use it, 69. Hmm. Put object Let's put. in hole. <laughs> I think we should interact. I'm hoping it's a, like just a duplicate. Yeah, or if it's like a... Here's the thing. We can always time travel back to not doing it. <laughs> that is also we'll true. I'm game. You say. You pull the magic stone from your pocket and place it in the hollow of the box's lid. Then you hold your breath. A blue light and a small puff of smoke surround the box. As the smoke clears, you see the box is opened. And lying inside is a rolled up parchment scroll. You grab the scroll, then you find the stone which rolled onto the floor when the lid flew open. The scroll spell is designed for general use. The skeleton instructs you. For best results, please use before May 15th, uh, 2001. Thank you uh, for playing our game. You will now be returned to your previous location. Before you can say a word, there's a flash of blinding white light sunglasses. The next thing you know, you're... They don't do anything mechanically. They're just like so your eyes don't hurt from all this flashing. The next thing you know, you're standing back at the crossroads in the exact place you were a couple hours earlier. In your hand is the scroll, and you carefully place it inside your book bag. Add a magic scroll. Okay. That's probably going to be relevant in one of the uh, later areas for procuring a thing. Perhaps. Where would you think it would be most useful, though? Maybe the end, to be honest. Um, hmm. Well, huh. Currently, so it's they, forest, tower, and castle are the only three we haven't tried directly to which go to. Which we... The, the tower has to be the final thing, right? Yeah, that makes a bunch of sense to so me. So, it's castle or forest. It's shot in the dark 50-50. Can't possibly make... A mis Wait, and also, I will say, little bit of metagaming. Mm. If it's possible for us to have two stones going into... No, because the village could possibly have a stone if we have a soccer ball. Never mind. Mm. There's a, it's a likely shot that we could get a stone at either one of these and I, I some, think what I, my reason's stupid and I want to hear yours <laughs> mine is a, a, a counterpick play effectively uh -huh. like it would make more sense for it to be in the forest than the castle so I think it's in the castle yeah <laughs> mine is a weird one where it's like I don't think it's in the castle because it's the first choice on the list Mm. But I don't know Strong. how much. But I don't know how Let's much. Go to that... eighty-four. Let's visit that forest. Oh god! I want to see what's in there. I mean, uh, it's just big three-headed right. troll. This road leads into a thick forest. Massive oak trees line both sides, and tangled bushes and saplings crowd around the bases, branches meeting overhead, shutting out the sunlight. The road looks well traveled, but after an hour of walking, you still haven't seen anyone. You're getting tired and thirsty. Snap. Without warning, your feet are pulled out from under you. You're jerked into the air where you hang upside down. You walked into some sort of trap. Desperately, you twist around, trying to find a way to untie yourself. As you turn helplessly, a pair of dirty, sandal-clad feet come into view. Well, 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 little John, says a man's voice. It seems your trap called something. 
You raise your head and catch a glimpse of the speaker. He's tall and has a brown beard and shoulder-length hair. He's wearing a green tunic and leggings. On his head is a green hat with a long red feather. Welcome to our merry forest, he says with a big grin. Swing to page 113. He lowers you gently to the ground. When you stand up, you see five other men. They're dressed in green tights and leggings. They carry longbows, quivers of arrows, except for one very tall man who carries a long staff. That one is Little John. The man who spoke seems to be their leader. Sorry, traveler, he says for now. That trap was set for the king's soldiers, not a lone pilgrim like you. Um, that's all right, you say awkwardly. You're frightened at first, but now this man seems kind and friendly. In fact, he reminds you of someone, but who? Your thoughts are inter interrupted by the stranger. Say, we're just about to have our midday meal, he says, slapping you on the back. It's only a modest repast, but we'd love to have you. What say you? These fellows could be just the help you need. Maybe you should go with them. On the other hand, what do you really know about them besides the fact that they wear green tights? I mean, is the implication supposed to be that this would be Robin Hood? Mm. Because don't we maybe know Robin? So the previous one was just Robin. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Mm. Mm. I, I'm down for anything, but I'm more just like a... I'm saying that so if it happens, the book doesn't get one over on me. And I think I can see the path by which that would occur, which is to say, like, you know, say we're just about to have our midday meal. It's only a modest repast, but we'd love to have you. You. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Too. We'd love you to be the guest of honor. You'd, you'd be the toast of the town, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I still uh, want to naively trust and then be disappointed. It's worked so well before. Um, all right. These men are enemies of the king, you reason. So you must, they must be the good guys. Besides, they remind you of Robin Hood. I am pretty hungry. You declare. Lead the way. Excellent. Cries the leader. One dinner coming up. Great. <laughs> you follow them down a small path that leads away from the road. After being on your own in this strange place, it's nice to be with a bunch of friends. They're all really careful to keep an eye on you and make sure you don't get lost. After just a few minutes, you see a low, rocky cliff. The path leads to a small cave that's partly hidden by vines. Follow the band into their hideout. Okay! You shout, getting into the spirit of things. What's for dinner? Setting them up. The leader turns to you with a big smile. You stare at him. How come you didn't notice his teeth before? Kind of, uh, well, pointy. What's for dinner? He repeats. Funny you should ask. Go to page 114. This is Robin Hood, but it's the Disney's Robin Hood. Oh, no. He's a fox, fox? man. The hot fox who eats you. <laughs> you suddenly start to feel nervous. In the dim light of the cave, the band of men start to look fuzzy. Then, to your horror, they begin to change shape. As you watch, their leader's teeth grow longer and sharper into deadly-looking fangs. His back bends and twists, and his whole body swells and bulges horribly. His face isn't pleasant and smiling anymore. Instead, he leers at you through bloodshot yellow eyes like a dog's or a wolf's. What, what, what are you? You shriek. 
You turn in every direction looking for a way out. It's no use. They have you surrounded. Why? We're ogres. What? The leader says with a cruel laugh. What did you think? That we were some kind of merry men? But you said... I said we'd love to have you for dinner. The leader breaks in. He moves towards you, licking his lips. And that's exactly what we're gonna do. The end. 52? Um, I mean... Yeah! Look, I'm glad the book didn't get it over on us and we knew the, the, the way it was gonna happen. That sign can't stop me because I can read, but I just am a trusting guy. That sign can't <laughs> stop me because I seek danger. <laughs> uh, 52. This isn't a movie, you remind yourself. Just because they're wearing green tights and are anthropomorphic <laughs> animals does not mean that they're like Robin Hood. You slowly back away from the smiling men. Uh, I just remembered. You say? I'm actually not very hungry. Oh, come now. The leader of the men says, taking a quick step towards you. Just a quick bite. Uh, no thanks. You repeat. You sense someone behind you and turn. It's the one called Little John. He smiles down at you, and you suddenly notice that he has very sharp teeth. Without stopping to think, you kick the big man in the knee. <laughs> he howls. You dodge around him, run down the road as fast as you can, your heart beating wildly. There's something wrong with those guys. You glance over your shoulder. They're gaining on you. You know, you can't outrun them. Okay, you big bullies! You shout, whirling around. You're ready to fight, even if it seems hopeless. But to your, to your surprise, the men run right by you. Guess they're not as tough as I thought. You say? No, they're not. Someone answers. Turn to page 19. Standing next to you is a cloaked figure who seems to have appeared out of nowhere. You jump back in fright, still shaky from your narrow escape. Who are you? You ask, your voice quivering. A friend. The cloaked figure murmurs. I don't know if I need any more friends. Relate. You reply. The stranger laughs. <laughs> a wise point of view. But it's not safe to be wandering in this forest alone. You relax a little. Even though you can't see the guy's face, you don't feel threatened. Why don't you follow me? The stranger suggests. If you see anything you don't like, you can always stop, but I think you'll do better with me than with them. You look down the road. The men chasing you were scared off by something, and it wasn't you. Could they have been scared by this person, who's not much taller than you? Okay. You say? I, I trust you. Good replies the stranger. He steps off the road through some dense bushes. If there's a trail, you don't see it. Oh. Where are we going? You ask, pushing through the bushes. To Robin's camp. Comes the answer. <laughs> Go to page 78. Wait, what? Oh. Are there, like, multiple different paths that take you to... What? Yeah. And this is a different stranger. This is a different stranger, but the stranger evidently is still Robin. Yeah. And we still don't have a soccer ball. Mm-hmm. So this path is not useful to us. Back to 32. That we, we, we exhausted every 
path on that. Let's just make I, absolutely certain. Because 33 is the other one that it points to there. Like, no, what's 30, the page 30, below this? I have 33 scratched out. Uh, okay, yeah, so it, it absolutely is. I want to tell you, uh, <clears throat> marking it all down, we have done every possible thing so far yeah. that we could do without soccer ball. We're doing a 100% route. <laughs> uh, so I guess... Onto the castle is the only option we have without a soccer ball. If we assume the tower is not an option, which I well, think I thought it said it. It did tell us that we need the stones before we go there. Ah, but I'll head this way. You decide. You strike off down a broad, well-tended road. Eventually, it becomes paved with smooth gray cobblestones, and the walking is easier. The sun is shining. Soon, the road starts getting crowded. Rich lords and ladies dressed in silks and velvets are riding on big horses. Peasants dressed in heavy woolen clothes balance large loads on their shoulders. Beggars dressed in rags stumble along asking for handouts. They're all heading in the same direction. The road becomes even more crowded. As you climb to the top of the hill, you can understand why. In the green valley below is a huge stone castle. Looks like something out of a fairy tale. Then you see that at the one corner of the castle stands a black windowless tower. You shiver. You know from Eddie and Sue's description that it's Terror Tower. Your steps are bringing you closer to the last place you want to be, but you have to face it eventually. You follow the crowd down the road towards the castle. Go to page 85. As the road heads down into the valley and towards the castle, you see it divides into two. The main branch heads through a bustling market over the moat's drawbridge and right through the main gates of the castle. Dozens of soldiers are guarding the entrance. This must be King Robert's castle, you think. You glance at the smaller road, and it follows the castle wall for a while and disappears around the corner. You don't know where it goes. Which which way should you go? Main gate or smaller road? If you have any initial inkling here, Not even slightly. It. Not even slightly. All right, let's go to the smaller road. Yeah. I, I guess if I had an inkling, it'd be like, I like the number 111 better. Mm-hmm. That's my inkling. I don't have to move my finger on the keyboard to get that. Yeah. Babe, babe, babe. There are too many guards at the front gate. You think? I'll try this smaller road. Maybe there are fewer guards. You set off down the side road, and you're alone on it. There's no crowds to hide in, the dark castle looming above you. As you turn the corner of the castle, you see that the road leads to a smaller drawbridge, guarded by one soldier. His red and black tunic covers most of his brightly polished armor. In one hand, he holds a round shield, and the other a long spear with a very sharp tip. The guard stares at you with dark, beady eyes. In spite of your peasant clothing, you're sure he can tell that you're a stranger. You have to drag your feet forward, fighting the urge to turn and run. The shadow of Terror Tower lies across your path like a dark pit. You step into it, and a chill flows through you. At the start of the small drawbridge, your fear takes you over. You freeze for a second. The guard scowls. Get on, then! He barks. They're waiting for you. You don't have to be told twice. You don't know who's don't know who's waiting, but it beats this scary guard. You walk quickly over the narrow bridge and through the arched stone doorway. Go to page 59. It's also Robin. <laughs> <gasps> it's both Robins. It's, it's, the, it's the Robin. Okay. The band of Mary Robins. 
As soon as you step through the entrance, you're hit by a wall of noise and commotion. Pots are banging, geese and ducks are squawking, and everywhere people are shouting over the din. A blast of hot air strikes you in the face. The heavy smell of burned, burned flesh fills your nostrils. For a moment, you think you've stumbled into some terrible dungeon. Then some of the smoke swirling around you clears, and you realize you're just in the castle's main kitchen. Servants are rushing everywhere, some with live animals, some with trays heaped with food. The stink is overpowering, and as you stand there blinking, a tall, skinny man in a grease-stained apron rushes up to you. Oh, there you are! He shouts over the noise. I told them we all wanted new help, but you aren't much to look at. But I suppose there's still stuff to do. Don't start there gawking, there's work to be done! You got a face made for the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> face built for radio and the kitchen. You the can... face made for back of house. <laughs> mm, do you want to work in the docks? Sorry? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> you can only stare at him open mouth. Somehow he thinks you're a new servant sent to work in the kitchen. Hey, this could be your chance to get further into the castle. On the other hand, you could wind up spending the rest of your day washing dishes. If you agree to work 47, if you tell Skinny you don't want the job, turn to 11. Seems to have probably met them before. I'm legitimately worried that there's a possibility that if I walked into a scenario and people were like, Oh, it's you. You're the new worker. Here you go. Start going. Uh, I'd be like, oh, did I apply for a job? Oh, <laughs> I, sh I should probably do this. Just for yeah. a bit until I figure out what's going on. Yeah. Ten years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your name uh, tag still isn't your own name. It's like, <laughs> oh, God. You form relationships. Like, you, you've, uh, you know, have an office romance with someone there. They just put a completely different name. You put on a persona. You <laughs> smoke cigarettes. You just, uh, sorry. I'm just not, my heart's not in the gruel today. I don't really know who I am anymore. You ever feel like you're living a double life, Marianne? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I used to be in the sixth grade in 2006. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, do you want to do you want to agree to work or say yeah? Don't? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Forty-seven. Yeah. I mean, it's work, an easy way work. to get into the castle. Work, also, work. poison the king. Ooh! All right. Forty-seven. All right. You agree slowly. What do I have to do? The tall servant hands you a large wooden bucket filled with black lumps of coal. It's so heavy it almost pulls your arm from its socket. The leather handle bites into your palm. Take this to the southwest guardroom. Use the stairs by the north wall. Count off 15 paces at the third landing. Then go through the second archway to the northeast. Go down the first ladder and over the buttress to the second battlement. Watch your step on that rain gutter. Drop the coal and then hurry back. You're about to ask him to repeat the directions when he raises his meaty fist above your head. Step lively before I box your ears. He bellows. You can tell he means it, so you stagger off with your load. It takes all your effort to haul the bucket up the stairs. Soon you lose count of the, the landings and you're lost. You remember that... The skinny servant said something about going down a ladder, so you see one, you climb down, you find yourself in a long tunnel lined with damp stone walls. I think I'm supposed to go this way. You mutter to yourself as you tramp down the dark, cold tunnel. Turn to page 87. 
You walk ahead in the darkness, feeling your, your way with your hand on the cold stone wall. You must fall flat on your face when you come to the flight of steps leading up. You see a dim light coming from above. You stop, you listen, straining to hear the sound of anyone who might be above you, but all you hear is your own breathing. You start to climb slowly. The light grows with each step you take. The stairs curve around so you can't see what's ahead of you. And they start to narrow until you feel the walls closing in. You have to fight back the panic that almost overwhelms you. This is Terror Tower. As you come around one more curve, you see that your way is blocked by a door. This one's completely smooth. There's no keyhole, no doorknob, not even a crack or a seam. You put the coal down and throw your shoulder against the door. But it's like pushing on solid rock. There's no way you can force it open. You have to turn around and go back down the stairs. Unless... If you have the magic scroll, go to page 107. Woo! We do. I've checked our inventory and it's one of our five items. Yeah, it's pretty easy to not lose track of how many items we have here. <laughs> kind of... At this point, though, I will say, I think I've forgotten. It's tape recorder. Flashlight was the other one, which has not been useful. Yes. But hey. Uh, you remember the magic scroll, the one that got you got in Morgan's tower. You reach in the book bag and take it out. The thin parchment glows brightly in the darkness. Carefully, you unroll it. The words on the scroll shine in silvering letters. With a trembling voice, you say them out loud. Outray! Oubray! Outwit, outplay, outlast. You hear a slight grinding noise and some dust falls from the ceiling. Then suddenly, slowly, haltingly, the door inches open. It stops after moving a foot, but there's enough room for you to squeeze inside. You blink as your eyes adjust to the bright sunlight that's pouring in through the open window. You spot two figures staring at you in wonderment. Eddie! Sue! You cry. I found you! Go to page 17. You don't have the stones. Mm. I mean, I guess they can tell us. Yeah. Possibly about it. I mean, I think we'll figure it out. Your two friends leap to their feet and rush to embrace you. You found us! Eddie cries. I knew you would. Sue adds. As quickly as you can, you fill them in on your adventures. But we don't have time to talk. You say after a minute. We need to get out of here. Yeah. Sue agrees. Before the executioner discovers us. But first, we need to get back our stone. Eddie adds. The Lord High Executioner took the one that we'd kept. No! Sue objects. There's something more important. We have to get away to get Uncle Robert off the throne. We have to find a way to break his power. Eddie touches your shoulder. I think you should decide. Why? You pause at the entrance to the room. You feel torn. Part of you just wants to get back to your own time, and the other feels that Sue is right. But how can King Robert be overthrown? You think back to your adventure so far. Is there something that you've learned that will help you? Decide what to do now. If you go after the missing stone, page 46. If you try and overthrow King Robert, page 4. I don't think we know anything that'll help us. I don't think we do. Where would we have learned something? Oh, from... Probably from Robin Hood. (laughs) Mm. Mm. That would make sense. So, should have brought a soccer ball if you want to overthrow the king. Obviously. <laughs> so People always forget the first step to political revolution is soccer. soccer. People always forget that. Always, every time. 
So, I mean, do you want to attempt? I don't think we should make the attempt. I think we should go after the missing stone. I think this is effectively I, I, like, did you have the ball? I think it's trying, yeah. Or more or less, yeah, it's either, did you have the ball? It's basically saying, did you, did you get information? It seems to be pretty clearly trying to imply that you you needed to have learned something. And I, nothing, that, nothing blunt. We can make stabs in the dark, but I don't, the books rarely ask you to do that. Mm-hmm. So, 46. Let's get the stone first. Yeah, the one other stone, you say. At least then we'll have a way of escaping the Lord High Executioner. Later we can see about overthrowing the king. Eddie and Sue nod in agreement. A moment later, the three of you are slipping down the stone staircase, and about halfway down, Eddie pulls your arm. He and Sue lead you into a secret doorway that you missed on your way up. These steps lead to the dungeon, he whispers. The execution has probably hidden our stone down there. You keep walking until you see that you must be deep beneath the earth. Suddenly, Eddie shoves his arm in front of you, and with a shock, you see why he stopped. On the curved wall of the staircase is a shadow, the outline of a tall, thin, cloaked figure, the light coming from a large chamber just below you. Without being told, you know just who this shadow belongs to. But if you wanted to tell me, go right. The Lord High Executioner. Tiptoe to page 55. I've never seen this person before, but I'm certain that's what their shadow looks like. <laughs> I don't know you, but boy do I know your form. Uh, silently, hugging the wall, the three of you creep downwards, and soon you see a large room at the foot of the stairs. The executioner is standing next to a large table, and in front of him is a l round white stone. It's two round white stones. He stands over it, moving his long, thin hands back and forth, mumbling words. He's trying to travel in time with only one stone, Sue whispers to you. It'll never work. He's alone, Eddie whispers. This is our chance to steal the stone. No, he's too powerful, Sue protests. If you gaze into his eyes, you'll be hypnotized. You know. It's true. What? <laughs> Eddie says. All his power is in his eyes. They're very sensitive. That's why he stays in dark places. If only there was some way to avoid his gaze. The stone glows in the dim light of the chamber, and in spite of your fear, you want to reach out and grab it. If only there was a way to avoid the executioner's hypnotic sight. Is there something, something, anything in your book bag you can use if you have the sunglasses? Turn to page 37. Boy, do we. I mean, we should use them, right? Absolutely. 36. You reach into your book bag and pull out your reflective sunglasses and look too cool to be attacked. These will protect me, you say, slipping on the sunglasses. You're trying to act confident, but your heart is beating a mile a minute. I'll try to distract him. You guys go for the stone. Then we'll run for it. You're so scared that you don't want to give yourself time to change your mind. You jump from your hiding place. Hey, Executioner! You sneer. It doesn't look like you're getting anywhere very fast. The evil nobleman doesn't look surprised to see you. He smiles cruelly, and his steely gray eyes bore into you. Oh, yes, I've been looking for you, he says in a smooth, clear voice. Come to me. You feel as though an unseen hand is drawing you closer to him. Your legs and arms grow heavy, and you have trouble thinking. Go to page 10. What? But I'm wearing sunglasses. 
You walk towards the executioner, even though that's the last thing you want to do. He's got you in some kind of trance. As you get closer, the executioner studies your sunglasses. Ah, he gloats. Ray-Bans, I saw those when I visited the future. Unfortunately, sunglasses won't be able to help you. He continues. I may not be able to see your eyes, but you can still see mine. Pretty gnarly, eh? You feel yourself locked in his gaze again. Your willpower totally gone. In another moment, you'll be completely under his control. He'll be force, he'll force you to tell him everything you know about the stones and Eddie and Sue. You've failed. Your mind is slipping away. But at least you look cool. The end. Woo! All right. Good ending. Good ending. All right. We look cool. So uh, we can't because the, the prompt is not if you have the sunglasses if you have them but don't want to use them, go to this other page. It's literally, if you have them, go to 36. If you don't have them, go elsewhere. So I think we have to overthrow the king? Well, oh, we're not going to attempt to say we don't want to use them. So, Well, it's because it, it, yeah. the option as it was written was not that we can choose not to use them. It was if you don't have them. So I wonder, because effectively at the start, you're choosing one item not to take. Sure. So there's some internal consistency that the paths are allowed to have based on what they know you don't have. Okay. So then page four, it is. So four into, oh my, my. Uh, Getting rid of the king is more important than getting me back to my time. You declare, trying to sound brave. I knew you'd say that. Sue tells you proudly. Okay, listen up. We know King Robert is using magic to make the nobles and guards and soldiers follow him. Because it sure isn't his personality. You joke? Sue and Eddie grin. Then Eddie fa- Eddie's face gets serious. <sighs> the problem is, we don't know how he does it. He tells you. But you might know. Did you have a chat with his ghostly lordship? No. If you didn't, go to page 30. Which we talked Lord to. Lord Worcester. Which we just didn't. So how the hell did... I mean, okay. I knew people would say ball is life, but I thought that was colloquial. I thought it was... Jargon. I thought it was hyperbole. I did not think it was as literal as this book is making it. We'll just have to figure out what the magic powers the old king has, then. Won't we? You say, trying to sound confident. Eddie and Sue nod in agreement. Carefully, the three of you slip out of the room. Start down the stairs, but instead of going all the way to the bottom, Eddie opens a secret door halfway down. Our father showed this to us before he died. Eddie explains. It leads to the castle. The thought of going to the castle makes your heart sink. But how else are you going to defeat King Robert? Ready? Eddie says, just before he ducks into the doorway. Right behind you. Sue tells him. Right behind you. You echo nervously. Go to page 22. The secret passage leads into a maze of tunnels. Some are so small you have to crawl through them. You try not to think about how far underground you must be. Eddie and Sue seem to know the way. You scramble after them, bumping your head on sharp rocks. Finally, the three of you crawl out of the last tunnel and stand up in a small room. We're right behind the throne room. Sue whispers to you, pointing to a large wooden panel. 
She uncovers a peephole in the middle of the panel, and you press your eye to it, and almost cry out in fear. The king's throne is only a foot away, and beyond that is the vast throne room crowded with people. If we study Robert, we might learn the secret of his power, Eddie whispers, kneeling down next to you and Sue. We think it's some magic object. Maybe his scepter? Just be careful, Sue warns you. Don't lean on the... With a loud crack, the panel you're leaning on splits in two. You and the panel and Eddie and Sue all tumble forward, right onto the throne. Bang on to page 102. I mean, this can't end boldly. Surely not. I mean, the only thing would be like, is the stone here, the third stone here? And that's why, I don't know. But it wouldn't make, it wouldn't make sense, but whatever. Maybe, maybe it'll be the thing anyways. 102, 95, okay. All right. The three of you hit the throne hard. There we go. The king gives a high-pitched shriek and leaps up. A dozen burly guards rush forward to protect him. You have only seconds until they reach you. The king is just inches away. This is your only chance to grab the object that gives him his evil power. But what is it? Your eye catches on an amber-colored amulet hanging from his neck. But then you remember what Eddie said about the scepter. You only have a second. Grab one. If you grab the scepter, 95, amulet 71. All right. I have a a historical bent. Okay. The scepter in parliamentary uh, political structure in, in like a, like, I guess, monarchy republic uh, is is, uh, the item that designates the power of the power of God vested in the monarchy. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's like, the earthly tool of wielding power versus the magical tool of wielding power, the amulet around the throat. I mean, I'm down with it. I think my only thing is like, where would, if there was the stone, where would it be? And I think it could be in either. Cause oh, yeah. I think, if, I, can think, I think it could be either. I also like, cause if it's, if it's egg sized, it's kind of big for an amulet, but it's really small for a scepter. <laughs> So mm. I think 71. I like I like the pull for amulet. I think it's good flavor and it's better than I have, which is what size egg? <laughs> so, you know, in, the, so. in in Australian parliamentary politics, just as a fun part, uh, the direction that the scepter faces when it is placed in the uh, in the House of Representatives, I think, uh, is the direction towards which government has control. Hmm. It's it's such a strange and archaic and outdated and tradition kind of thing to see like, oh, they get a big like golden rod and just point it at the person who's in power, I guess. Yeah, it's magic. You lunge forward. The amber amulet on a chain around the king is on a chain around the king's neck. His eyes are wild with fright. Your fingertips are inches from the amulet. You give a last grasp at the swinging pendulum. Pendulant. <laughs> Pendulant. Pendulant pendant. And you feel it in your palm. You yank the chain off and hold the amulet tight. In the next second, two soldiers draw their swords and hold them inches above your chest. Kill them! The king commands. He rubs his neck where his chain snapped. Kill them now! The soldiers' faces are clouded with anger. The razor-sharp tips of the swords move closer. Your eyes close, ready for the end. Face your doom on page 12. I'm going to say he just lost control of them and they're about to turn around and kill him. I would love it. 
The swords poke into your chest. You suck your breath in and hear a harsh metallic clang. Then another and another. You open your eyes and see the last of the guardsmen drop their swords to the stone floor. <gasps> I'm free! One guardsman shouts. It's a miracle! Shouts a noble woman in a feathered hat. Soon the whole throne room is echoing with the shouts of men and women who have been res rescued and released from Robert's spells. You look over at Robert. He's fallen to his knees. No! He, he shouts, raising a fist and shaking it. No! The crowd rushes forward and lifts Eddie and Sue to their shoulders. What? Long live the true prince and princess! They chant as they parade your friends around the room. I mean, we should probably be prince and princess. Um, after we won, I'm just saying. Yeah, exactly. We won power, but okay. Meanwhile, others have grabbed Robert, who has started to slink away. Then the doors of the throne room are flung open. The cheering dies, and Eddie and Sue are gently set down. Filling the doorway is the Lord High Executioner. Turn to Rita. page 110. Yes? We do have the amulet. We can absolutely just change. Like, whoa, 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 hang on. You're giving them too much credit. Holds the amulet for a second. Everyone <laughs> picks back up their swords. <laughs> Kill them! <laughs> I want the credit! <laughs> the executioner stares at Robert, who is struggling to get away from the people holding him. Then he sees Eddie and Sue surrounded by their subjects. You! The executioner thunders. The prince and princess. Then he bows low. Welcome back, your highnesses. The executioner was under Robert's spell, and now he's free too. The throne room erupts and cheers again. Everyone claps. Long live Edward! Long live Susanna! End player. That night, <laughs> the celebrating goes on for a long time. But finally, after the feast is eaten and the candles have burned down, you and Eddie and Sue head up to the castle, castle wing to their old bedrooms. Well, your majesties. You say? Things turned out pretty well. I guess it's time for me to be getting back to my own time. Sue gives you a sly look. Your own time? <laughs> I don't think so. Go to page 13. Kill them. But, Sue, I mean, sorry, Susanna, I mean, uh, your princess hood. You stammer. It's time for me to go home, isn't it? But you are home. Eddie says, grinning. No, I'm not. You protest. My home is... You stop. Somehow you can't remember your home or your school or anything from your time what's wrong with me you murmur am i under a spell no sue says gently you were under a spell the same spell that morgrid put us under when he hit us in the future a spell to make us forget who we really are who we really you trail off i'm not from the future no! Eddie cries. You're from this time. You're our cousin. This castle is your home too. You can't believe it. You don't believe it. It can't be real. This is, you draw the line again. No, I'm stubborn again. <laughs> but suddenly all your memories come flooding back. Eddie and Sarah, wait, Eddie, what? Eddie and Sue are telling the truth. You really are one of them. This is really your home. Your royal cousins hug you. 
You did it! Eddie says. You restored us to the throne, and now we can rule together. You take a deep breath. You set out to help a royal family. How could you know that you were helping yourself? Congratulations, and long live you. The end. Okay. Long live the princess! Long live the prince! Long live cousin of them! <laughs> cousin player. Um, this is the rare... It's not... This is the rare not... Um, it's all the dream. This is the rare... Your whole Everything life except for this was a dream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the only this real This is thing. the only truth you know. <laughs> Everything I you really read like is your that, whole life. Actually. I do too. I think it's fun. It's it's like the it has the same energy, but it's infinitely the infinitely more satisfying version of it. Mm-hmm. It's it's nice. Cause it's like it boom, it works, and also it doesn't make you feel weird about like what we're just leaving our parents back at home it's like yep yeah it's it's all it, it also has this this excellent effect of uh like giving you a a meta condition that you attempt to meet that you don't have to be able to and it makes sense in the story which is to say like we didn't need to find all three stones so that we could teleport back home that was yes. never relevant in the worlds as this- it's constructed here the second you don't pick the soccer ball, you are not going home. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that's that is fun. I actually like in the end, knowing all this context, like as it the, it kept going on, I was like getting more and more frustrated that we weren't finding the second stone, but finding out that like for the first time, the obvious like you need to get the X thing, mm-hmm. you know, of the goosebumps was actually also optional. Makes this one feel truly more open-ended and like the most logical best kind of use of the inventory system almost so far Mm -hmm. in a way which is cool and neat and i liked it a lot i think this one was really good i think so too i think this is probably my favorite of the inventory management versions of the mainline goosebumps series including special editions that we've played I, I would say so. That's a that sounds wildly specific, but I I agree, and I think that that says something because we like the inventory style system. So the fact that this one does that one the best is a pretty glowing recommendation of this one. I think it's it was a nice time. I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. I like the theme. I'm a I'm a fantasy guy. We got to go all over. I is good. It was also very chunky, and in an unexpected way probably mm-hmm. due to the fact that we did the 100% completion route. <laughs> like, um, there, there's a world was where we never needed to go to the village at all. There was nothing that we got there. We probably... Wait. If you don't... Or the forest. We didn't need to go anywhere. We just needed to go to the Morgrids Tower. No, well, we Dragon needed to go to Morgrids Tower. Dragon, Morgrids, done. Yeah, we could have done yep. Dragon's, Morgrids, done. For sure. So that's the AGDQ route. That's the AGDQ uh, route. Yep, yep, yep. Going to be training. And if you're going for soccer ball percent, you're in for a much different time. You're going to be going. Mm-hmm. You're going to probably want to start running glitchless because you're going to have to go through the uh, the Robin Hood's camp at that point. There's a lot of dialoguing. You have to be ready for some extensive menuing, which if you're not really <laughs> like into that kind of speed run, don't go for it. This one truly tests your skill a bit more. There's a lot more clips and in frame perfect tricks. Mm-hmm. 
Why do so many speedrun jokes come up in this podcast? <laughs> it's a book <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um anyway. Uh yeah, I really liked it. Do you have any other any other thoughts? Any other bits, Bobs? None especially, frankly. I, I'm just I, generally quite impressed. Yeah, I guess the only loose end that I think like I've already retroactively tied up in my head being like we didn't go to Morgan's Tower, but I think that we did by nature of, like, I think that the tunnel under the castle took us to a path of Morgan's Castle. Or, not, sorry, not Morgan's Castle. Uh, Terror Tower. Yes. We never went to Terror Tower, but we went to the castle and we went under the, through the dungeons. And I think we ended up in a path that if we went to Terror Tower, like, proper through the hub page, I think we would have, like forked and met at that same point is my guess oh yes that would that's, make sense that's my best guess as to what was going what what we would have found there um but yeah elias i, I guess i don't got anything else you uh want to thank our special sponsor for for this episode here this episode is sponsored by unknown chicken get your random chicken from the drawer what it's chicken that you do not know the source of unknown I, brand chicken if um, i had chicken in my drawer it would certainly be unknown considering i haven't eaten meat in like i don't know eight years if i had chicken in my drawer it would be very unrecognizable at this yeah. point yeah i don't know if that's chicken yeah but i do know that the special uh, executive producer of today's episode is unknown chicken. Thank you very much for supporting the patreon.com slash turn to page cast over on patreon.com slash turn to page cast. Much appreciated. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your uh, your comments on the YouTube channel as well. I see those, I like them. I appreciate you. And good, good time this has been. What a good time. Yeah, huge thank you to all the supporters over on, on the Patreon, patreon.com slash turn to page cast. Huge thank you. Helps keep the show, you know, I'm not going to say profitable, but I'm going to say helps keep the show from being uh, unhealthy to, to lifestyle. Uh, so huge thank you there. And um, yeah, double double thank you again to Something Scary for sending in the scan of this book so that we could huge you know, read it here today. Cannot be, uh, you know, stated enough how important and thankful that, or wait, what? Important that is for doing this episode and thankful we are for the ability to, ability to then do it. We got there. Look, I can't tell you how important and thankful I am. <laughs> I'm a big wig and I really appreciate it. I am so important to tell you thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the prime minister and i'm very gracious <laughs> oh my god all right that's probably it hey you know if you want to go subscribe over on youtube.com slash at turn to pagecast you can do that it's a very helpful thing you can do that's completely free it's just a youtube channel that has like you know it's got the thumbnails and the little like simple you know uh videos to it and the little thumbnail art, you can section. see a little bit better. And a comment section. That is true. There is a comment section. One of the only places to like actually uh, like easily find a public discussion of the episodes is is the YouTube page. Uh, 
because otherwise it's it's all scattered around everywhere. If you want to send us something privately and directly, you can send uh, an email over to turn to pagecast at gmail.com. If you have any info on like, you know, things that you think we should read in the future, like, you know, you have things you want us want to get to us or just any other private information that you want to shoot at us, uh, you can do that over there at the Gmail. But uh, huge thank you. But it's been meaty, so let us uh, leave. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Adios.